Glad you're joining us on demand. I believe that you have the power to make decisions that can affect everybody that follows you. You right now are living in a situation that was created by somebody else. You were trained by somebody else, raised by somebody else, and taught by somebody else. What they decided to teach you has impacted your life. And what you decide to do with others, teach others, will impact them. So I want you to listen to this sermon and I want you to get ready. You decide, but they pay. It's a great message that will help you see the power of your choices. Stay there. I'll be back at the end of the sermon to pray with you. So stay right there. Repeat the topic with me today. Say, you decide and they pay. Here's a question. Big question. Have you made decisions somebody else has to pay for? Have you made decisions that don't just affect you? You decided to spend the money, but your family has paid for it. You made a decision to go into a relationship, and that relationship has become complicated, and your whole family is impacted by it. The children, your grandparents, the people that had to help you through this crisis, but that was your decision. But they have had to pay for it. It's hard to admit it, that we make decisions that don't just impact us. We want to believe that we live in some bubble and that what we decide only impacts me. No, that's not true. Pastor Rick can make decisions. I can make decisions. And those decisions impact everything. The, the decision to be afraid, the decision not to go to school, doesn't this, doesn't this impact you? It impacts your children for generations. You make decisions. And other people pay for it. There's a big word I've been toying with lately in my own study, and the word is hermeneutic. It's a big word. Hermeneutic is a word that has an interesting basic bottom line meaning to it. The word basically means interpretation. Everybody say interpretation. That's all it means. Her, then M-E-nudic. Hermeneutic. Say hermeneutic. There's the big word for you. Hermeneutic. The word hermeneutic is a word you use in, in, in study of theology a lot. And the word basically is, it has to do with the rules for interpreting Scripture. How you come to your conclusion is your hermeneutic. And your hermeneutic is based on a set of um, factors. For example, the way the Catholics see theology is tied to a hermeneutic. There is a set of rules guidelines, thoughts, the way they view Scripture, the way they view God, the way they view tradition. Tradition is a very important part of the, of the Catholic or hermeneutic. And also culture. For Protestants, which we are, there's another set of rules. Theirs is not tied to as much tradition as there is in the Catholic side of the equation. It's more Scripture and God. Those things are separate in terms of how they view it. And so their approach, their conclusions are different. There's also the way they, I don't want to get too technical here, but the way they, they did this process all of Scripture. Let me just say it that way make it simple. Your hermeneutic affects your conclusions, and that affects your decisions. When you see people, for example, and they say, you say to them, I love you, okay? Now, a person's hermeneutic, when they hear you say that, the way they interpret that is 
you're going to take care of me all your life. I won't work, give you any money, and if I cuss you out, it's okay. That's the hermeneutic. That's the way they put together their, your definition. They, when they see I, you love me, that means that you're going to accept all of that. Hermeneutic for a kid. I'm going to live with you, mama, and junk up the room and, not, and have a problem when you want me to wash the dishes. And uh, because I'm your child, that's what you're supposed to do. That's the hermeneutic. How did they, here's a question. How did they come to that hermeneutic is the question, right? What, what did you put, to, what did you, um, what thought process did you go through to come to that? In the study of theology, that's a really important question. Because your hermeneutic affects your conclusions. All the things you believe about God, salvation, knowing Jesus, all is impacted by your interpretation. What is your hermeneutic for life? We'll come back and do a whole series on this later, but I want to just take you on a journey, and I want to show you a principle. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. We said this to you the last few weeks. Because in our study... In this season, we're talking about, excuse me, decisions. And here's what the Bible says. Well, let me uh, make a statement first, and I'll give you a verse. Repeat this with me, please. Say, my decisions and my beliefs carry me and those I influence to predictable destinations. Think about it again. My decisions and my beliefs all that shape, remember, of a hermeneutic, right? My decisions and my beliefs carry me, pick me up, and they carry me. And those I influence, not just me, my kids, my grandkids, all of them learn my hermeneutic. They learn my way of thinking. And it carries them to a predictable destination. You can see it when they're three, four, five. See it growing up in them. Teachers see it. School teachers see it. This kid's going to jail. This kid's not going to, this, this person's never going to be married to anybody. This woman cannot be married. She's not marryable. She's too mean. She'll never have, he'll never have, they'll never have, never ever consistently have what they dream because they're not disciplined enough. They don't follow through. They don't finish their work. There's no way that this would lead to success. They become too addicted, too quick to stuff, whether it be drugs, alcohol, pornography, it doesn't matter what it is. You look at them and you say, these choices are, have predictable outcomes. I'm not putting you down. Or I'm not giving you some religious you know, speech here. It's just true. It's predictable. And here's a verse that ties it all together. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29 says, According to your faith, so be it unto you. Say that with me, please. Come on, say, according, according to your faith, so be it unto you. According to what you believe, according to your decisions. You, your life choices are tied to what you believe. And let me tell you, one of the greatest things to do is to come up with a list of what you really believe based on your actions. You ready? Here you go. You should say, I don't believe in exercise because you don't do it. If you went based on your actions, you don't believe in saving money because you don't save money. You, you believe that you can say certain things to people and they should be able to deal with it because you think they should. That's your belief system. 
Every job you go to, you believe they're all dumber than you. Every job you go to, you, everybody's dumber than you. You should say, everybody, you need, when you apply for a job, say, I know you're dumber than me. You should just tell them on the front end. Because in reality, that's how you feel about everybody you interact with. That's why it's hard to have friends. Because every friend you have, you dictate the friendship rules. You have rules and guidelines that everybody must follow. That's what you believe is okay. It's when you confront that part of yourself and say, this is how I think. And this is, this is picking me up and carrying me. Where? Where? Man. There are a lot of people that are emotionally distressed, and they're on drugs, and they're going to doctors, and I'm not against any of that. I'm not, you know, go get checked out. I might need to go get checked myself. Nothing wrong with that. Check your head, check everything. But nothing, listen to me, will ever change if you keep making the same decisions. And if you don't change your core beliefs about fill in the blank, I don't know what it is. If this is not, if your money's not working right, well, change your beliefs about it. Change your approach. Your decisions are wrong. It's not always the amount of money you make. Please, trust me. Look, Oprah Winfrey said that. It's got to be true, right? She did. She said, you think my money can solve your problems and you're wrong. My money cannot solve your problems. It's your view of money. It could be 20000 50000 100000 You, know, I want to just retire. Retirement is not going to fix you. Now you have more time to be miserable. I mean, come, it's not going to make you happy. It's your view of life. Come on, say, my view, my view. of life. life. Retirement, post it doesn't matter. You, at some point, it, it's, it's got to get down to the choices I'm making. And today, I want to zone into this one choice that you make that I want you to think about. Here's what he said, Exodus chapter 20, verse 4 through 5. You ready? I'm going to read for you in the King James, and then we're going to come back and read for you in the message version. Listen to this. You shall not make yourself for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above and that is in the earth beneath. Or that is in the earth, I'm sorry, in the water under the earth. Verse 5, you shall not bow down to them. Read that with me, please. You shall not do what? Nor do what? That's important. Don't bow, don't serve. For I, the Lord your God, am a what kind of God? And here's what's important. Listen to this. Visiting the iniquity of the sin of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who do what? Hate me. Mm-mm-mm. Verse 5. Message version this time. Don't bow down to them and don't serve them. Because I am the Lord your God and I am I'm a most jealous God, punishing the children for any sins their parents pass on to them. To the third, and yes, even to the fourth generations of those who hate me. Now, that's a simple verse. The edited bottom line of that is this. If you're faithful to God, it will cause hardship. I'm sorry, if you're not faithful to God, it will cause hardship in your family for years to come. That's the, that's the nice version. Here's the ghetto down-home version. Right? If you ever decide to be unfaithful to God and cheat on him, by bowing and serving others, he will... Get you and your family. That's it. 
But I want you to catch something here. Here's the bottom line of this. His concern is what you pass. The decisions you make to pass things down your family tree. Here, pass that down. That way. No, no, not behind you. That way. There you go. Pass it. Pass it. So when you pass stuff, see, down the family. And you keep passing around. You know, it's something about passing stuff around. Some of you say, he just wasting paper. No, I'm not illustrating. Listen, this is important. You're passing stuff around. Is it still, go- it's still going? Keep passing it. No, no, behind you. Yeah, there you go. And keep it in the road. There you go. Here, pass it on down. There you go. Pass it. Pass it down. There you go. Pass it. Keep on passing Now, here's the deal. It keeps on going when you pass it down, you see. It keeps moving, right? Pass it on down. Pass it back to you and around. Pass it. Pass it. And it, where is it now? Let me see. Where they at? Let me see. Who got it? Where is it at? Pass it. That's right. Pass it on now. Now, it's going to keep going until somebody decides, I'm not passing this anymore. It's going to keep moving. It's not going to stop. It's going to keep going until somebody makes a bold decision. So, you know, I ain't passing that no to nobody else. This is it. It's stopping with me until I stop this. It's, is it still moving? Okay. Who, who stopped it? You stopped it? You said no more, right? You're not passing it. Who else? Anybody over here? You stopped it. That's it. I'm not passing this alcoholism, not one more person. I'm not passing this bad attitude. I'm not passing this work ethic. I'm not passing. I'm not passing this relationship, this functional behavior, not to one more person. It's It's amazing if you're not careful. You forget you might be that one person. So you take the paper and put it on your chair, please. Go ahead. Put it on your chair. Whoever got it. Put it on your chair. So I'm done with this. Put it on your chair. All right. But here's the deal. He said, every person you pass it to, I'll punish. But you passed it. All of you people on this front row, all of y'all passed it. All of you. Started with you. Started with you. It's powerful, isn't it? Simple, but profound. Some of you want to do that again. You'll come to the next service and you ain't going to pass it for one person, right? <laughs> Don't do that. Don't cheat. <laughs> in our study, we've been looking at four main issues in the, this year. And our, we try to answer one question a year. The question is, how do you how do you put your life on a different path? What do you do to fix your life? Number one, you build a better what? You. Starts with you. Secondly, you build a better what? Vision. Thirdly, you got to build a better what? Foundation. Come on, say build a better you. Come on, join the preacher. Say build a better you. Build a better vision. Build a better foundation. Now, understand this month, this season, and we're going to probably be here for several more months, I'm going to talk about building better decisions. And I've got some really amazing discussions coming down the road. Sexual decisions. It's going to be fun. I'm going to challenge you in that area of your life. Relationship decisions. How you choose people. Not just people you love, but friends. The whole relationship issue. Vocational decisions. You're choosing the wrong career path. 
something you're not good at, something you're not going to ever make money at, something that really doesn't fulfill you, and something that frustrates you. Some of you are just in the wrong job. And you're, you're stuck there because you're fearful of money. But we'll talk about that down the road. In our last study a few weeks ago, we talked about three things. Repeat them with me. Please say moral decisions, money decisions, relationship decisions. Until you decide to build better relationships, until you decide to manage your money differently, until you decide to make different moral choices, a lot of things in your life will just never change. And this is what's really important for, for you to understand. It's not so much that God doesn't want to advance your life, but the fact is that when you pray, the problem is he doesn't have much access to your life. He's given you your life. But you don't spend, you, you, you look at three areas of your life and ask yourself three simple questions and I'm done for the day. Ready? Who are you bowing to? In the text, he said to them, don't bow to the gods around you. So what do you spend most of your time bowing to? Your schedule, your calendar, is a powerful reflection of what you serve. Two things you might consider. Come on, say my bowing decisions and my serving decisions. If I look at your money, if I look at your calendar, if I look at your behavior, I can see what you serve. Now, I'm going to mention a couple of things, and I'm going to pick on a few things only because it makes the point. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to say these are all bad and evil, but I find them fascinating. Facebook is a gift, but it's a tool. But it becomes a several-hour-a-week addiction that we literally almost serve. Television is a great gift. I'm on television. Ta-da. But I don't watch, let me say it another way. I'm amazed at how poor people watch rich people on TV and enjoy them in their poverty. You're spending hours watching millionaires entertain you. It's hilarious. I, I like to look at people's salaries. I have this salary thing. I like to know, you know, all that good stuff. And so net worth, it's a little, little hobby of mine. Because I like to know who I'm talking to. So I'm watching, I'm watching, you know, the final, the NBA finals, right? And so I'm like, like grieving. My team is down right now. Some of you are happy. Well, we're going to pray for you. And I'm a, I'm a Kawhi Leonard fan, sort of, kind of. I am, kind of, sort of. But I'm more of a Steph Curry fan, probably more a California. Okay. You, you know, I grew up there, so, okay. okay. So I got this thing, you know. And, 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 and I'm, I'm sitting there. And so when your team is down, right? And you're sitting there and you go, oh, God, oh, God, they're down. Oh, man. Make that a bigger basket. Oh, yeah, investigate. I'm all, I'm all uptight. Now, he has a $200 million contract. He'll be fine, lose or win. He'll go home and get on his jet and fly home. You've never seen him on Delta, have you? I'm just saying, you never. I, I fly all the time. I haven't seen, you seen him. I haven't seen him yet. He may fly. He may, he may. Well, but I'm just saying. What, what am I doing? Screaming at millionaires, running up and down the court. 
They're paid millions of dollars to entertain me. Keep my mind all tied up. Some of you watching news, I, I watch the news, you know, but to me, it's an addiction. I can't believe, I can't believe, what in the world did he do today? What's going on here? And you just are so consumed with what he said, excuse me, she said, amazing. Almost all, though, I'm not, I'm not putting them down. I'm, I'm, look, I believe in making money. I believe in being paid. And I'm not against that. Almost all of them make a million, two, three, four, five million dollars, ten million. And you're quoting them all day to each other, arguing back and forth. I'm, I found myself almost bowing to this every morning when I get up. The first thing I cut on, oh, let's see who would I believe today. I am constantly being called to bow my mind, my emotions to these issues. Is this your new God? Is this your new idol? No, it's not, Pastor. You, okay, you spend more time doing that than going to church. Not saying you should, because we're not going to leave the church open that much, but you understand. I got to go home. But you understand, you spend more time on Facebook than you do in prayer. You spend more time. You know more about people. When people see me, they just, because I'm on, you know, I'm on. You know, people, I'm on all, I'm, I got stuff that, you know, they, they keep me on. I'm on, I, I, I tweet a little bit here and there. But people walk up to me now and they just tell me about my life. Oh, I saw you was on vacation. How was it? How was the cruise? They don't say hi anymore. They just tell me about my life when they see me. Here's the danger in this. What are my children? I'm doing this, but what's the long-term implications of this for our children? You know, it used to be when you want to talk to somebody, you know what you guys have to do? You don't remember this. Here's what you used to have to do. You have to, you used to have to go see them, see them. You had to go walk to them. There was no phone. You had to, if it was in 50 miles away, if you wanted to say anything to them, you couldn't even send a letter. You had to walk or get on your horse and ride over there. Then we moved up in the world, and then you got phones. You know what I'm saying? And then you can call them. But everybody didn't have a phone. Sometimes you used to go use your neighbor's phone. Anybody remember that, right? Okay. Some you say, that's way back. I know. Mm -hmm. Then there was a time when you could send a letter. Mail came along. Pony Express. They carry your letter to the neighbor. Then, moved down the road, cell phones came. Man, that was amazing. I remember I got my first cell phone and put it in my car. $700. That's what it costs. And they bolted it to the car. Now, you know, you just, you, you know, you, you tell yourself you need one. I, I need a car. You know, you can't. There may not be a phone booth. How many of you know what phone booths are? Yeah, yeah. You just always, your mom used to always tell you that. When you leave home, always have a quarter or a dime, whatever it was, right, whatever generation. And so, you, you, I remember I told Christina that one time. I said, Christina, I want to make sure you have a quarter. She said, for what? I said, in case you need to make a phone call. She said, where? I said, baby, in a phone booth. Oh, them dirty, nasty, filthy things, I would never. Can you believe that's how, that was her opinion 
of a phone booth. Now, you know Superman. Everybody went to the phone booth. Superman, <laughs> underdog. Some of you kids don't know. Look up Google underdog. Google underdog. Best cartoon you ever saw. Everybody went there and turned into a superhero. It's a great place to go. Then they got past phone booths. They got past that cell phone came. And my wife, my first got my cell phone, my wife said to me, she said, who you going to call? So she wanted to phone her car. Then after that, there came the bag phone. Everybody remember the bag phone? And you know, you just walk around your little bag. You knew you were styling, high tech. I'm a high tech person. I got a bag phone. And then they had the big old phones you carry in your hand. Remember those? You know, like the big jumbo phones. You know what I'm saying? And then they got the little the secret, secret agent phone. You flip phone. So you always flip it so everybody can see. You may not be talking to anybody. You're just lying, walking around. But you want everybody to see you got you a flip phone. You can talk to everybody. With all of these technologies, our time, our time schedules change. And now, got earplugs, watches, we are consumed. And if you look at our lives, you see a people who now have become disconnected. That's what we're giving our children. We're planting things today that are causing our children to get further and further apart. I'm for technology. I got all of it. But what I'm concerned about in my life is when I'm sitting at the table with my family, I'm on a phone. I pay $150 to go to a concert, and I film it. Why? They're live. I paid to be in here. Why am I, why, why am I not in the moment? What, what's going to happen to us over time? You tweet so much you can't complete a sentence. You don't know how to frame. I understand the power of breaking things down into small pieces, but one of, the, one of the sad things is we don't realize what we're passing to people. It's nothing like talking to a person. Sometimes, you know, people will tell me, text me. I go, No. And that, now it's almost an insult if you call. Well, why didn't you text first? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not against it. I understand the value. I use all these technologies. The question is, what did you pass to that person just now? And do we understand the long-term implications of, of, of five family members sitting at tables to all go out to dinner to talk to people who are not at the table? Wow. Why don't you just go be with those people you're calling? Why is it that you cannot live in this moment where I'm at right now? Something about that. So what do you do? Three things you do. You ready? First of all, you ready? Admit what was passed to you. Say that with me, please. Come on. You have to first acknowledge this is what was given to me and it's not healthy. This is, this is a habit that I picked up from my dad or my mom or my cousin or my friend or my family or whoever or my school, whoever it was. Whatever was passed to me, especially if it comes from your family, you have to say, my dad was a blank kind of guy and I have picked up that habit and it's bad. I need to acknowledge that in the religious environment that I lived in, this is the way we were taught to be religious and it's not a healthy way to live. What was passed to me? 
If you can acknowledge what was passed to you, you have a chance of changing it. But if you can't acknowledge it, if you can't say, here's the truth. So first thing you need to do is everybody say, be honest. Second thing you need to do is ready, stop doing what was taught you, taught what you were taught. Stop. Diane and I are both candidates for divorce. We do not come from family backgrounds that had strong marriages or relationships. Each of our families brings a certain element of strength, but they also brought certain elements of weakness. And we made a covenant. This is the truth. I'm not trying to sound super spiritual, but this is one of the best things we ever did. We talked about those things before we got married, and we said, I am not going to cheat on you, Diane. I am not. I am not. You will never have to com- compete with another woman and me. For me. I'm, I'm breaking that curse. I'm not going to be a lover. <laughs> Mac daddy. Heartbreaker. All the things we say in passing especially to boys, he's going to be a heartbreaker. Really? Is that what you speak over his life? I understand you're trying to say cute. Just say that. But there's something about deciding I'm not passing this. She made a decision. This is interesting. Diane philosophically believes in marriage, and she philosophically believes in submission to her husband. And I philosophically believe in not abusing that power. She decided that she would be my wife, and whatever comes with that, that's what she decided. There was something about that decision that's affected our relationship. There are certain things we never say to each other. There are certain things we never do. If you admire a marriage that's lasted for 39 years, that's the key. You have not made the decision. And it's not until you make it that everything changes. And there's a bit of death in that. Dying to yourself. The Bible calls it crucifying the flesh. There's something about that moment in your life. When you say, I get it. Because I understand that whatever decisions I make, when I bow, when I serve certain things, that becomes a generational decision. So what will happen to your descendants if they live like you? What will happen? Look at the preacher for a second. What will happen to your, to your and you see, some of you grandparents see it. You see yourself and your grandchildren. You see it. You, you can tell. You see it. You're clear. And every now and then in your life, you have a moment when you can say, I'm going to stop doing what was passed to me and start doing what's right. Now, next week, I'm going to take a turn. Out of all the people that can have the greatest impact on a family, a father is one. Next week, I'm going to talk about the life-changing decisions of a father. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. What could your father decide? What could your father have decided that would have changed your life? 
I was sitting with some folks the other day, and I made this statement, and they said, they, it was two, two, two siblings, and they blurted out together if he had just stopped drinking. It was amazing. They just, they, and they, they just, tears got in their eyes. And, and they both paid a heavy price because daddy couldn't get free. Maybe if daddy was just around a little more. Or maybe if daddy was in the moment. If he could just be in, in the moment. Maybe my life could be different. So next week I'll talk about that. Dad, you don't want to miss it. Moms, I got words for you. I'm going to help you understand men a lot more. And if you got a daddy issue in your life, I promise you it's going to help you next week. Um. My most important job in the world is not preaching. My most important job in the world is being a good person, God-fearing man. My second most important job is being a good husband. My third most important job is being a good father. Sorry, my fourth most important job is being a pastor. Got to be a good person first. Why impress you if Diane's unhappy? Why I'm up here? God help me, Jesus. My daughter, she looks in my face. What does she see? I hope I stir you men next week. You've got a sip, a child, a family that you was before where you are right now. You're in the present, but you have kids. You've not, you didn't even call them. And if you're married to somebody with kids, please don't stop them from reaching their kids. Please step out of the way. Please hold your fears and your jealousies, whatever it is. Hold. If he's going to leave with her, let him go in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's going to run him off, if going to see his kids, don't you? I am. Listen, 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 listen. Lord, have mercy. Those kids didn't do this. The little triangle, to stop all that. Just pause for a minute. But you don't know her. She's conniving. Let me help you with this. I'm going to give you a lesson. Look at the lady. Look at this. It's a man lesson. You ready? I'm going to sign you up for man school. If I don't want to be with you, I don't want to be with you. There's nothing you can do to manipulate me in the stand. If he is going to go with somebody else, you can't stop him if that's his ultimate goal. The same way I can't stop Diane from going with some big head man someplace. I can't stop her if she want to go. I, what can I do? What, did I say that wrong? That wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't in the spirit. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, okay small head man. How about that? You get the point. Oh, man. Sad stop. I can't tell the story I want to tell. I had to catch myself. But I'll I, I edit it this way. I know some people. I know some stepmothers. Who decided not to blame the children? Who 
decided those kids need to see their daddy. And I will not create an environment that makes that hard. I will not be at war with the new wife. I refuse. You listen to me. God writes that down. Why haven't you called your children? Why have you not visited your daughter? You made a decision and she's paying for it. Help us, God. Next week, I'm ahead of myself. Let's get out of here. Stand on your feet. Come on, pray. Father God, we thank you for the power of the Word of God that helps us grab a hold to a truth. It helps us focus our minds. Thank you. ability to stop passing things. I lift my hands in praise to you and thank you. In Jesus' name. Every hand down, every head bowed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, what you said made me realize that what I need to do is change my hermeneutic. You're right. My interpretation. I, I've been acting as if I cannot serve God and it's okay. No, that's wrong way of of, of, of interpreting the Bible, I need to make a start with Jesus. I need to give my life to God. I need to make a decision, a personal decision. If you're here today and you want me to pray for you because you know your walk with God is not where it needs to be, I want to simply pray a prayer for you. Raise your hand so I can know who I'm praying for. Anyone saying pray for me, Pastor? I see one. I see two. Do I see any more? I see three, four. I see five. Anybody else? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I see several more hands. Thank you. I see you. Bless you, Lord. Father, I pray for these whose hands are lifted, I pray that the hand of God would touch them in ways that only you can. Heal their hearts. Bless them today. Let them start their new life with Jesus today by acknowledging that Jesus died on the cross to set them free. May this be the beginning of a healing journey for them. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Now look at the preacher real quick for a minute. Well, I hope you are blessed by today's message. You decide, but they pay. It's a sermon that helps you see the power of your influence. You know, it's really important for you to take these messages and apply them to your life and say, God, what am I doing today and how am I deciding? What am I doing that will impact those who follow me? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray the message they heard today will give them a vision for the future and will help them see the power of their choices. I pray their families will be benefited because they heard this today and they'll make different decisions. I give you the praise and glory for them in Jesus' name. Amen. I really value you joining me in these formats and I pray you share with a friend. If you're ever in town and you want to come see us live at Overcoming by Faith, we'd love to have you. We have services every Saturday at 5 and every Sunday at 9 and 11. If you're in town, we'd love to have you come be with us. You be blessed. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Bye.